the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. Want to advertise through Snapchat influencers at scale? Check out fanbytes.com and see why brands like Universal and Sony Music use them to market on Snapchat. Learn more at fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. And I've got a great guest for you guys today. He's been a longtime friend of mine. We've known each other for like, what, three, four years already? I wanted to bring him at on. At least, yeah. At least, at least. I want to bring him on, one, to jab at him because the Warriors are doing too well, so well. And <laughs> secondly, because he's got a brand new project in the crypto space, and you got to check it out. Fritz, so let me introduce the guest. His name is Fritz Charles. He is the founder of Coin Gamma, a crypto data and content company that provides reliable information about the crypto and blockchain space. I'll tell you guys this one thing. This guy is so stinking data-driven, it's going to blow your mind. So he's using all that sort of background with data-driven, using an anal- like analyzing the data to bring it into the crypto world. He sold an app business as well, so we're going to get into some of those details about how do you do that. But without further ado, let me introduce my friend, Fritz Charles. Welcome to the show, brother. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. So tell us a little bit more about your background. Because I know you've done some great work with some great companies too. Yeah, yeah. So I have a um, I have an interesting background. Um, so, kind of my first career out of uh, school was actually in finance. So I was a trader um, at Lehman Brothers, the historic Lehman Brothers. I worked there for about two years. We got promoted. Um, everything was going well. I was a young guy making money. Then the firm went bankrupt, and I'm like, what the hell? You know, that kind of that kind of put me on this long path of trying to figure out how can I put myself on a path where I can have more control of my destiny. Um, so, you know, decided to go to, back to school, got my MBA, um, you know, ended up uh, transitioning from finance into tech. And so that's kind of where I kind of started my path into mobile technology, tech startups and things of that sort. So um, my first job out of school, I worked at a company that was distributing um, international movies on the mobile platform. Um, it was actually uh, a, a company out of Nigeria. So we distributed um, African movies online. So folks, a lot of people don't know this, but um, the Nigerian movie market is the third biggest in the world. After Hollywood and Bollywood, Nollywood is the best. They call it Nollywood. It's not original name at all. Um, and so what we did was we targeted user, people that emigrated out, outside of their homeland that lived in the U.S., U.K., Canada, you name it, but they can't watch their, you know, movies that they enjoy on Netflix and stuff like that. So we we were the first to digitize that. And so it was cool. I was able I worked from New York, but I traveled to London, I traveled to um Africa for the first time and it was an awesome experience. And I, you know, I was I saw them fundraise and I was, you know, I I basically my job there was running growth and data. So I, I knew I learned a lot about growth hacking, subscriptions, things of that sort. But um on the side I actually had a, a good friend, a mutual friend of ours, Moyo Kome, who started making uh, mobile apps. And so he took classes online and, and taught himself how to cut, put those together. And uh, he, he introduced me to that world, right? Um, in the same world where I met you and a lot of other great individuals where, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, build apps 
these were mostly gaming apps and you monetize them through different methods. And so the method we use were uh, uh, ads. And so I started doing that and reached a point where I was making more money than my day job. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do this full time. Did it for, did it for full time for a little over a year. And um, it was it was awesome. It was, you know, it's was, it was a point where I was building a huge portfolio to the point where I was making apps probably every other day. So ended up with a portfolio of 400 apps um, across iOS, um, Android and even Amazon. As funny as it may sound, it, it was a waste of time to do anything on Amazon, but I did it anyway. Um, and uh, it was super cool. Something where I was able to. You know, learn how to do product development, manage a, te- a tech team, learn how to growth hack because all my downloads were organic. So using things like ASO was kind of like the name of the game um, now and even and especially back then. Back then it was, it was actually easier. There's a lot, a lot of different hacks that we did back in, back in the day. And so did that. But over time, it was like this. It, it was becoming a lot tougher to do that. I'm not really a gamer. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I only played Madden and NBA Live. I didn't really get into super deep into the game. So it was really hard for me to spend all my time trying to teach my, tell my designers to make this character, that character, that color. And so it was, it was becoming more of a drag than something I enjoyed. Um, and so I realized, you know, I have to exit out of this. And so I was like, you know what, let me get a, you know, let me get a day job and, and kind of rethink things. And so Funny, cool enough, I was able to kind of secure a job at the NBA. So I worked at on NBA League Pass and the NBA mobile app. And so I worked on the international side. So my job was to increase the amount of NBA um, subscribers, NBA League Pass subscribers um, that were watching games on the NBA app um, outside the U.S. So, you know, China, South Africa, Germany, you name it, everywhere outside the U.S. And, you know, basketball is basically the only American global sport. Um, at, you know, baseball is, is kind of has limited geographic reach same thing with football but basketball is second in the world after soccer when it comes to global so it was pretty cool seeing how you know i was looking at the data and like seeing how people were watching games in india versus in singapore and stuff like that and so it was a big push of us so i did that for um about a year that was pretty cool but while i was there um you know going back to my 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 um my business, I, I sold my I sold my source codes and I sold my business. So I was yeah. still running it on the side, but I ended up selling it. And so that was awesome. Um, you know, I was able to make some money. Not enough money to quit my job, but enough money to kind of, uh, you know, think about the diff- next project. Yeah. And during my time in the gaming category, um, I spent a lot of time on these, like, random message boards. And I discovered crypto. And being an ex-finance guy, I was like, you know, this crypto thing sounds interesting. It sounds similar to, like, what I you know, did when I was in the markets, but also it's tech, right? And so I was super intrigued by it. And I, you know, a normal person would say, hey, let me invest in it. But, you know, us uh, us mobile folks are weird. I said, let me make an app around. <laughs> yeah. So I just created a mo. Uh, yeah, I created an app around Bitcoin um, and, you know, on the side when I was at the NBA and uh, put it out in 2016. And I didn't get any much downloads. It kind of just fell flat and that's because the space was pretty um nascent and so a year later um 2017 which was last year um you know started taking off just because like people started getting into the space and by that time i i was i looked at the space more i started investing a little bit so i started realizing you know what my app has uh there's a bunch ton of features i could add to the app um, on the day job side, I actually was poached from the NBA to go to IAC. IAC is the company that owns a lot of the popular dating apps that 
uh, a lot of folks knows. You and I are married, so we don't know anything about Tinder and OkCupid and Match. Exactly. But uh, those are total. Those are huge, uh, huge apps. And the company owns a bunch of different brands. So they own. They used to own Expedia. They own Angie's List. They own Vimeo. It's like this. It's like this like tech conglomerate. So yeah. it was a cool. It was super cool because it was almost like how. Oh, I used to have a portfolio of apps and had different apps I could cross-reference and cross-sell and cross-promote. This company did it on another level, obviously to the tune of billions of dollars. Um, and so it was cool kind of understand that. And so I worked on um, I worked in a division that actually made mobile utility apps. So our division is called Appalon. So we, if you look at the top, if you look at the utilities category and the productivity category in both iOS and, and Google Play stores, I would say probably seven out of the top 20 were our apps. Uh-huh. So like, Weather apps, um, alarm clock apps, um, uh, different utility apps that, quite frankly, to, to the average person, are pretty boring. But for the people that actually use them, um, they probably use them every day. And so it's a really sticky audience. And so my job there was to kind of do growth and um, convert a lot of the apps to subscriptions because most of the apps were um, ad-based and stuff like that. And so I was doing that um, while working on the crypto app on the side. And as the year progressed, obviously last year was a crazy market for crypto. So I started getting more into it. And I was like, man, like, you know, obviously I have my app, but like the content in this space is lacking. And being like a, you know, ex Wall Street guy turned tech guy, I feel like I could bridge the gap, right? I could talk about both the technical side, the blockchain side, but also I could talk about the markets, how to trade, how to hedge, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just started pushing out content. I was like, you know what? Worst comes to worst, I'll, you know, drive content to my website, I mean, to my app. Um, but I started getting a lot of good feedback. And so I decided to kind of like expand on that. Then, um, you know, make it a full-time endeavor as well as a launch a podcast, following your footsteps, man. Just like, hey, you know, I love content. I love podcasts. It's a great medium. So started doing that. And so we have a, a website and podcast. Um, but, yeah, we're working on a lot of cool different things right now. Um, cool. it, you know, building out the app, building out the website and kind of trying to become a trusted source for the space. Well, all that's on Coin Gamma if you want to check it out. But, Fritz, I want to take it back to sort of your data-driven approach to everything, Right. When you're building out that product, talk about some of the tools that you might be using. So, like, how do you break down a project, especially for those? Let's talk about maybe the, some of those people who are like, I have this app idea. All right. Now, how am I going to build this? So, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure, sure. I mean, I could talk about it from a development standpoint from or a data standpoint. So, I guess from a development or idea, ideation standpoint, let's start with the ideation. So, obviously, sure. ideation... If, you know, I think everybody thinks that their idea is original. Quite frankly, most ideas are not original. Um, there may be some where you are putting a different spin on it, but it's probably an app that has similar functionality, right? So maybe something that shows charts and data. You may be trying to apply it to, let's say, fantasy football, but there are horoscope apps that probably have data, right? Because they show the history history of like somebody's calendar or what have you so i will definitely spend a lot of time looking at the store and and and, and don't be closed-minded look at apps that me on servers don't look like your app but probably have the same functionality whether it's swiping whether it's data whether it's charts whether it's colors whatever so start there look at what people are saying about those apps well download those apps yourself play with them see what you like see what you don't like um, read about the reviews, see what people complain about, and make sure that you improve on those things, right? Then you go into the development side. So assuming that you're a person that's can't code on your own and you're doing something, you know, self-funded and, and it's something pretty early stage, um, you want to leverage offshore talent. So, you know, a lot of folks, you know, I, I was able to build a huge portfolio. All I did was use 
individuals that are based in, you know, Southeast Asia, places like Pakistan, Philippines, etc., um, Eastern Europe. And I found these users on a platform called Upwork.com. So you kind of just post a job and you hire folks. It's not that simple because obviously, you know, you don't, you know, there are a lot of people that take advantage of folks in that space. So you kind of have to know how to break down the projects in different ways. Um, make sure that you don't you know, say, all right, this is my big vision and hire somebody and give them all the money up front. You want to kind of break it down to your minimal viable product. Uh, one book that kind of goes into like minimum viable products called The Lean Startup um, by, I think the, uh, the author is Eric Rees that kind of tells you how to like break down big ideas into chunks. Um, so that's one thing that um, people should do. And then on the data side, I mean, once you, data, data only comes in mostly when you have the app out already. Um, and so what you want to do is you want to, um, make sure your tracking is is on point, right? So you want to have, there's analytic tools like um, Firebase, Fabric. Um, there's ones that are a little bit more um, sophisticated. One is called Mixpanel or Lean Plum. You have to pay for those. Um, but in the beginning, things like Fabric or Firebase are more than enough. And you kind of have to make sure that you track all things. You want to know like where your users are coming from, what are they doing, what pages they go on, what pages do they visit in your app, what do they click on, um, you want to look at the flow, right? So if your goal is for them to eventually subscribe or click or put their name in, you want to set those things as goals, right? And you want to know what, um, what, what, what is a, what is, is it about these people that uh, allow them to kind of eventually do the goal? And then you want to push everybody that's not doing it to eventually do it, or you want to find people like those folks, right? So, um, you know, another thing to add is the Facebook SDK. So Facebook SDK also has, um, a lot of data. Um, obviously that's a little controversial given the Cambridge analytical scandal, but you know, that, even though, you know, that's the, that, that ended up being used for a bad thing. Um, but you know, it's, it shows you how deep the data that Facebook has. So when yeah. you plug in their, their pixel and their SDK, you're able to kind of get a, a vantage point of who your users are. And let's say you want to do paid traffic in the, in the future. So paid traffic being buying ads, you will already have, um, You'll be able to kind of create a look like audience where you could find users that are like your users. Yeah. So that's kind of the main things I would start at when I would start and then you, kind of so Firebase and like expand free, from that. Right, Fred? It's like most of the plans yes. that you can get through with Fred. Are there certain things that you're looking for within Firebase? So now I've got the tool. Great, Fritz. I've got Firebase. I've got Facebook SDK in there. What should I be looking at? So you want to know, um, so you want to know, uh, I would look at demographic stuff. So I want to know where my users are coming from, right? So if somehow you have an app that is only in English and you got a bunch of users coming from Brazil for some reason, and you see they're spending a ton of time on the app and there's a ton of uh, value there for them, um, you know, you may that may inform you, hey, like, I need to make a Portuguese version, right? Or Arabic version if the people have to happen to be from, let's say, Lebanon or something like that. So I would look at that. Um, on Facebook, you kind of see like, like gender data, right? So you can see if it's more male than women or the breakdown, right? And so that could kind of inform you simple things from a design standpoint, whether you want to use more um, masculine colors versus feminine colors on your app. Um, or even when you eventually do ads, you know, maybe if you want to have an ad that has a person, maybe you have a person that's a, a woman versus a male because your Facebook data told you that there's more um, women using your app than males are, right? Um, you kind of use that to inform you. You also use it to inform you like um, placement, right? So if your goal was for somebody to visit this page and like you see like there's not a bunch of people visiting that page, then you know that maybe that page is hidden too much, right? So maybe you want to kind of bring it up to the immediate part of the app. 
Or you look at, and also another big thing is to look at time in the app, right? So you may have it something where people just load up the app and it automatically shut it down and never do anything with it. So that might inform you like, hey, people um, don't know how to use it, right? So maybe you want to incorporate like a tutorial in the beginning uh, to onboard them, right? And so um, then you, you know, then you kind of do things that are a little bit more sophisticated where you do things like A-B testing. So you like you do something where you have one segment of users that have the tutorial, another segment of users that do not, and you see whether that having that tutorial actually leads to um, a longer time in the app. Um, and then that could tell you, like, all right, well, this person's legit. Or this, me doing this was a good move versus not a good move. So you always want to test things as much as you can. Love it, man. I know one of the clients that I'm working with is we're looking at the flow, the user flow. Like We're able to bring some traffic in and then sort of like this mix. Let me know if you agree with this or not. But like sort of this thing of okay, drive growth, okay, then drive retention and then drive growth and then drive retention. Right. It's like going back and forth and continue, continually looking at both to make sure that obviously – if you drive up the retention, you're going to drive up the monetization. So I thought like, hey, let's start with growth, then retention, then monetization and get back to growth. There are certain things that will always work with from a growth perspective. 100%. Cool, man. The next thing I want to talk about is subscriptions. So you were working with a bunch of apps. You don't got to name any of them, but you went from non-subscriptions, right? To then getting sure. them, moving them over, over to subscriptions. What's worked for you to try to get people that actually want to pay a monthly fee for something? Yeah, yeah, it's complicated, right? Because um, one challenge that I had, some of the apps were making good money with ads. And so that all, all it's hard. You almost got to have to, you know, what is it? Bite your nose or spite your foot? I, I don't know. Whatever the saying is, <laughs> I right? I suck at those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But basically you have to like, um, you know, you, you almost have to cannibalize yourself, right? Because when you have that, when you already have an existing model that's making money, but you want to switch to another, for instance, if it's ad supported, you make your money on giving making your app as open as it could be and making people use it and then people click on the ads and, and all that good stuff now if you have a subscription you have to lock some stuff up right so what's the point what what is the point of paying if everything's for free right so that's kind of like a, a battle that a lot of people have it's a lot easier if you start a subscription with david uno um obviously with subscriptions you have a, a, a you're monetizing a very small percentage of your user base because most people don't want to pay. Um, but you should be able to get more money from them. Um, and yeah, you just have to figure out, you have to test like, all right, well, let's say you have, a, I would, you know, what I would do is I would list out all the cool features into the app and figure out what do I want to leave for free? What do I, what do I don't want to leave for free? Do I want to um, lock up the whole app and just offer a free trial? Right. So like, hey, I'm not going to you you lo you log into this app like you're just going to meet, meet this paywall. Right. Which obviously is very aggressive. And what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of people that drop off. Um, but if you have a free trial and they're, and they're serious, most of the people that would have dropped off probably would have paid you anyway. Mm -hmm. So the people that uh, stick around and they do the free trial, what you're going to do is you're going to have a percentage of those people that end up staying. Um, but it takes a lot of time. Right. So if you're doing a paid, you know, you're doing paid traffic. You're gonna be paid, paying a lot of users and not knowing whether your ad spend is profitable for a while because the way that you know subscription works, you have like all right, you have the free trial period. Let's say you have a seven day free trial and a monthly subscription. You have you have to wait seven days for the person to convert from free to paid. Then you have after the person is paid, you have to see whether they convert between the first and second month, right? Because that that could make that could and that could move your LTVs quite a bit. Um, cause obviously if you have, you have a, uh, you know, a user base that 
is around for two months versus one month, that's double the money, right? And obviously with double the money, you can spend double the amount on ads um, to get them, right? So it becomes a little bit of a, a interesting thing. But what happens is sometimes you have to spend, uh, you know, the first, uh, a bit of time in the beginning losing money or not even losing money, not even sure what's going on with the money if you're doing an ad-supported type of thing. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously, again, looking at competitors and look what competitors do, right? Because if if you're offering something that another app does and their thing is completely free, it's gonna be a hard sell to kind of get people to, to subscribe to your platform, unless you're offering something that is um much better, yeah. right? And and how are you letting them know, right? Because if they can't get it without paywalls, so you have to do things like, you know, good screenshots, maybe like a video in the app and showing people the full functionality. I have got a couple of clients that do what you kind of mentioned is like, hey. You either subscribe or leave the app, right? And right, I've right. had people ask me, like, does that model work? And I'm like, yeah, it works. This one client spending a shitload of money on just marketing because he's converting a percentage of them and they're, they're staying. How do you figure that out? Because you're data-driven, Fritz. Like, how do you figure right. out, like, hey, I want to get aggressive, Fritz. Like, I want to figure out, okay, you either pay or you leave. Like, how do you figure that out? Yes or no? Which route to take? Um, you know, one way to do it is you could actually A-B test that. You could have like a segment of your users that's just meet that paywall and can't do anything. You have another segment that kind of sees a little bit of the app and then you offer them like a upsell, a, a soft upsell later or hard upsell depending on like how long they're in. And you just kind of have to look at the two segments and just analyze the data. Like let them, let them ride for um, a month or two, um, depending on, obviously the easiest thing to do is a weekly, if you have a weekly subscription, which is not that normal, but let's say you do have a weekly subscription, you're able to get that data a lot quicker. But if you have a monthly or quarterly, it's going to take even more, right? So you have to let that test ride because you're going to have to make sure that your data is statistically significant, meaning that it's enough data that you could trust, right? Number, enough numbers you could trust. So you would have to get those, let those two segments go, and you would see, all right, how many of those folks go from free to paid, and how many people on paid stay one one period or not? Right. You might have a situation when on, on one segment you have more people convert on the top of the funnel where become free users, but for whatever reason they all unsubscribe the first month. Whereas the other segment, they may um you know, they you may get less people in the funnel, but their retention is higher, right? So it ends up being like this like combination of of, of data inputs that you kind of have to look out for. Um but you're only gonna get that information after letting your app sit for a while and letting the data come in the one thing i want to get back to too is you said list out your features figure out which ones you want to lock and which ones you want to leave for free how do you decide that part um again i will look at competitors i will also just like you know sometimes if it's a new app that is super unique you don't have competitors to look at i would uh i would make a judgment on my own like what do i think is the most useful thing in the app right obviously the most useful things in the app are what or the most addictive qualities of the app or what people should you should lock in and, and, and leave for people to actually pay um because if that's where the app provides value and that's what the people was like you know what uh you know i don't really pay for apps but guess what i really want to use this i'm really getting used to this this is really providing value therefore let me just you know let me just you know, use the thumbprint or, or or whatever it may be to pay um so yeah i mean it, i would i would order it in rank of of um of value okay and now, now next thing i want to move to is your personal sale of your app portfolio and then kind of talk us through like one why did you decide to sell the app yeah yeah so um when i hinted uh, uh earlier is that it was becoming a little bit of a drag to um 
to manage all of those apps. The type of apps I made were gaming apps. I didn't really have a huge passion for it. I actually more got into gaming because it was a great way to learn about app development, ASO, um, marketing of apps. But quite frankly, that like, I'm not a gamer. So for me, um, competing in a gaming category where there's tons of passionate people um you know we see things like Fortnite even now things of that sort like i i can't compete with those folks right like i'm not i i don't i like i'm 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 uh i'm definitely more of a, a data-driven quantitative type of person versus a qualitative creative so like making like cartoon characters that i need in my app or on my stuff just wasn't was it was becoming a drag for me so it was something where i just wanted to kind of transition out of it um, and it was becoming a little bit hard to manage as one person. Um, and, you know, I just knew that it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. So that's kind of why I looked at selling it. Cool. And then how did you go about selling the process? So for those who might be feeling the same way, because I do say one of the things that like, hey, you know, maybe you should get out of it. Like, I, that's the reason I sold it because I didn't want to update to the new iOS 8. It was 8 at the time. And I was like, I don't want to change the screenshots and all this junk. And so I ended up selling mine. But like, how did you go about selling it? How did you find it? Yeah, yeah. So I um, initially, there's like some online marketplaces that allow you to list your apps. Um, I looked at them, but it was hard because I had like 400 apps. So like it wasn't just like one big app. And so it, it was it would it would have been too hard. Um, so I ended up um, using brokers. Right. So there are people in the community, the app community that um, also sold their portfolios that I knew. And um, they recommended different brokers. Um, the one I used was... Um, uh, at Business Brokers. I think they changed their name. I forgot. But basically, the, the gentleman's name is Eric. Um, uh, his name slips on mine, but we could put it in the show Eric notes. Or, I, got, I know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so, yeah, he helped me out, man. He um, he kind of like put it together for me. Um, you know, he, he knew buyers. It took a while because sometimes you had people that showed interest, but maybe the numbers. And I don't know. I actually never got the reason why I deals fell through but deals a lot of deals did fall through so you got to okay. be patient um but over time like he'll find somebody he f- ended up finding somebody that was pretty good um and uh yeah the numbers worked and, and we made it happen how long did it take you <sighs> probably took like at least nine months nine months wow yeah yeah so and i had a lot of close things where it's like oh like hey they need your financials like this and that sign this contract and then like it would just fall through right and so um you gotta have to, you have to be very balanced and be very prepared to uh, to kind of be left at the altar a few times. <laughs> Would you mind sharing <laughs> from a revenue perspective, like what was that multiple from the yearly revenues? Um, it was two uh, x. Two x, got it. Yeah. You, and would you mind sharing, like, is it was it a four figure, five figure, six figure deal? It was uh, low six. Low six. Nice, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. That's really Thank cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How come you didn't smile when you said that? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, you, you I, I don't know if I'm going to have a bunch of family calling me for loans and stuff like that. <laughs> right? Because they, they, they didn't know. Third cousin, brother. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I need a loan. I need a loan. I need a loan. Um, no, 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 I'm kidding. It's just one of those like, ah, you know, putting out numbers out there. But obviously, um, it's all good. Yeah. It's all well, congratulations, good. man. That's I'm really happy for you. And that's, like, again, I'm really happy for you. Okay. Thank you. Now, last thing I'll, I'll mention I want to ask you is fundraising. Like, what's that been like now that you're out there, you're on your own again? Like, what's been like just fundraising? What has changed from, like, the bootstrap mentality that you had and now to, you know, seeking money? Yeah, so um yeah, you're right. I mean it's kinda of, it's completely different. It's a different 
um, mentality for sure. Um, so it's like, you know, where I couldn't, couldn't do everything on my own. I never had to kind of check with folks as to like what I should do next versus now where I'm kind of like pitching folks and I'm being subjected to like their opinions and, and what they think is good, what things, what they don't think is good. Um, so it's definitely a different mentality. I mean, I, I've gotten used to it cause I've been at it for, for I would say, uh, a, a few weeks or a month or two. And so it, it's it's cool. It's more about just like trying to figure out, you know, who could help, right? Um, not only from a monetary standpoint, but from a network and advice standpoint, because you want, you don't want, you want investors that will also be able to make introductions for you and give you advice, because um, you know you're trying to create something big, and uh, you know money is cool. Money is very important. Obviously, um, that's why you do it. But obviously, it's um, also advice and, and guidance. Um, so yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, it's one of those things where right now I'm in the process. I'm more, I'm more doing people that are individual investors. So I started with a friends and family around. I'm starting to get people that kind of like have full time day jobs and they angel invest on the side. Um, I'm, I haven't really gotten tr- too deep into like the VC category yet. I've had one, a couple conversations, a handful of conversations, but I haven't gotten in that full force yet. Uh, but I'm starting to right. So um, obviously those the people need a different level of, I would say analysis data stuff like that right so it was uh, um you know it's 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 cool but obviously you know over time you get you get better at it you tidy it up because you know a lot of times you realize oh like five people ask this similar question so my deck should actually address that or i should have a, I, sh- I need to have like a a better answer for that right so like it's cool it's kind of uh it's interesting it's like definitely like a situation where you got to be okay with get, hearing a lot of no's or not interested um, and, or a lot of that. Yeses. Even when you get yeses, you have to make sure that you understand how to like close that loop, right? You got people that say, "Hey, yeah, I'm down." It's like, "All right, well, cool. Like, I need to check." Like, <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, so yeah, yeah, I get it to you. Like, oh, I didn't, you know, oh, I didn't know that you needed the money. Now it's like, well, what do you think I'm doing this for? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's cool. It's a little comment. It's I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm kind of talking to people now that are not. Um, I guess not full-time investors. It's something they do on the side. Um, but to that end, like, a lot of people, you know, they want to, you know, may not be as crazy as we are when it comes to, like, jumping out and doing their own thing. And you kind of giving them an opportunity to join that journey. Um, and so people love that. And so that's kind of the, the idea you need to drive home. And once people, you know, and again, don't, sp- don't waste time, like, trying to convince non-believers, right? So, like, for instance, like, my space is, like, you know, it's a crypto space and, you know, even though things have changed, but there's still a lot of people like, oh, like, is, you think Bitcoin's going to be around in six months? Like, isn't it a scam? All that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, if if, if my conversation starting with that, I was like, I'm not going to waste some time with you because you're not even going to get what I'm trying to do. Because obviously I'm making a big bet that the whole space is going to be around right. in the future. Um, How do you get out so, of those yeah. conversations? Uh, well, obviously you gotta be polite. So, you know, you keep, you know, you keep it going. And, but, but you know, I know that I'm probably gonna, not going to follow up with that person. Right. Um, afterwards or, you know, where I might have slotted an hour, maybe make it 20, 30 minutes. Right. Um, but yeah, and I don't say like, Hey, bye. Uh, I don't want to speak to you again, obviously. Right. But you do it, you do it with text. That's awesome, man. Well, before we hit the big finish, Fritz, I want to thank my sponsor, FanBytes, FanBytes.com. Look, they've got a special offer for all the App Masters audience. They're going to give you $500 off your first campaign. You just got to spend a couple of thousand dollars. So all you got to do is spend a couple of thousand dollars and they're going to give you, give you $500 off your first campaign. It will help you. If you're looking to reach the millennial market, I think Snapchat influencers, especially with IG stories coming out, they are underpriced right now. So go check them out. They work with Snapchat influencers with the little swipe up features and they've got a secret ad format 
sandwich format that they use with their influencers to really make sure you drive low cost installs. So if you want to start using the data that Fritz just mentioned and drive some traffic to your app, go check it out. It is fanbytes.com or for my special link, go check out, use the link, excuse me, appmasters.com slash fanbytes. Fritz, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app. We definitely have to check out. Awesome, awesome. I had one. I had uh, I had another app in mind, but before we talk, we uh, we talked a little bit about um, this this app that I use. I'm using right now. Uh, it's called Croissant. So I'm in the co-working space right now, where you know I'm talking to Steve. Um, but I'm using this. I, I, I'm not a member of this this co-working space. I use an app that Croissant that allows me to kind of float between co-working spaces. So, um, you know, being being somebody that's fun, a, a solo fundraising entrepreneur, I have meetings all over the place. I'm based in New York. So sometimes I have meetings in Midtown, sometimes in Brooklyn, sometimes downtown, sometimes in Jersey. Sometimes I travel to places like D.C., Philadelphia, etc. Um, it's cool to kind of have a place to just work. And so I kind of open flip the app. It lists me, it lists co-working spaces in the area that have seats for me and i just kind of just go in i show the the uh cl- the i guess the person in front like my um you know my app that i logged in and it just kind of just does it so the way it works you just you they have different subscriptions i think there's three there's one that's like as cheap as 40 dollars, which you have 10 10 hours per week there's one that is a little bit more expensive you have 40 hours i mean 10 hours per month i should say then you have 40 hours and you have something that's like over 100 hours i forgot exactly the breakdown but um it works i mean even if you're somebody that maybe you have a corking space but you end up traveling a lot for work um you may want to like hey every time i go to dc or miami or london i don't want to waste time trying to figure out somewhere to work um i'm just use this app and not have to like do the whole starbucks or a coffee shop thing, right? So it's a pretty cool app, um, and I, I'm using I'm using it right now. So obviously, I uh, you know I find value in it. What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Um, I would say uh, other using leveraging other media to push your app, right? So um, you're somebody that's done this from day uno to kind of like you know you had the podcast, you had you write blogs and stuff like that. And uh, when I was doing all the ad business, I really wanted to just kind of do it in a vacuum by myself, not let anybody know what I'm doing, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I probably missed a lot of opportunities that way because you never know who's interested in in partnering with you, working with you, hiring you to kind of like help with marketing or um, investing in you, whatever it may be. Even if you want to do if you even if you're not interested in, in raising funds, you never know who could offer some kind of partnership that could be maybe you don't do like a, a VC fundraise, but maybe it's like you guys co-found a, a app together and they fund it, something like that. Um, and so, um, you know, I probably missed a lot of opportunities doing that. And, you know, again, when I sold my business, my app business, maybe I could have found somebody else that or other people that would have bought it for me earlier or something like that. Right. So it's very important to kind of build your brand and use things like, you know, make sure you, have, you know, people kind of just depend on the app store. But use things like, you know, if your app is, is congruent with a podcast or a blog, like put out content, um, put out social media because that all drive to your app. And I learned that with um, this uh, crypto app because I started doing that. And, you know, there's been so much opportunity from an app standpoint, from a partnership standpoint. Um, that's come from, you know, me just me putting myself out there because you never know who's listening and who's who's asking for you. And when you 
I guess when you think of when you try to control it on your your side, you assume that you know what everybody's working on and what they're interested in. But sometimes, you know, uh, people that you are doing, you know, people that might be a doctor, but you never know if that doctor knows some is doctor's little brother is working on a cool app that you may he may need help for it or she may need help with or something like that. So um, definitely like leverage other forms of media and push yourself out there. That's I awesome. learned that from you. Learned that from you, Steve. <laughs> Well, thanks, man. I'm super happy for you doing the podcast and doing your own thing. Congratulations on all the success so far. The website, if you're in the crypto world, if you want content and if you want Fritz's sexy voice on a podcast, it is called CoinGamma, CoinGamma.com. Fritz, if they want to follow up the audience, wants to follow up with you and say thank you or whatever you want to send them, anywhere else you want to send them? Sure, sure. Obviously, um, you, you listen to the website. Um, the web the website's Twitter is is Coin Gamma, but my personal Twitter is <coughs> F E Charles. So my my first two initials and my last name with an underscore between the the um the letters. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Fish Charles. Not too many Fish Charleses out there, so you I'm sure you'll find me. Um, and uh, you know, my email is fritz at coingamma.com. So looking to kind of connect with folks and and you know help help folks in any any which way or collaborate. So and have fun. Fritz, thank you so much for being a friend and coming on to the show. Likewise, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.